Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Should Have Recorded That with Phil and Adam. Hello, Adam. And Tim. <laughs> it's been so long, Phil, that I it... forgot my own name. <laughs> wow. Wow. You haven't been using your name since the last time. No, I use my name exclusively for this podcast. Well, I feel special now. I feel yes, you should. I lend my name out only to a certain part. I feel really special. Uh, but yes. but audience, we have been gone for a while. We, of course, we all. Hopefully, you had a um, you had a a good holiday time and maybe mm-hmm. rest it during Christmas mm-hmm. and New Year's and you've started your your year well and um and so we're back here. We are back. But dear audience, we've made the decision that mm-hmm. in it, for the sake of sustainability, which is important. We we enjoy this endeavor that we're doing. Yes. Um but we we we, we did a weekly we published weekly during like the worst of the pandemic when we were all stuck at home with nothing else to do mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. that our lives are somewhat returning we're realizing that a weekly episode is just very difficult to sustain so yes. we've made the decision to go to a monthly podcast release uh, month release a new episode monthly so we hope that uh, maybe that is more sustainable for you as well. So much easier to find time in a month to listen to us ramble than uh-huh. it is to find time every week. <laughs> well, well, you know, I I think I hope they were, you know, they endured with us during those episodes where we were talking, where we really got on and didn't really have anything to talk about except for like the fact that we didn't have anything to talk about, and. And now, I feel I mean, like there were only two or three maximum of those episodes. I mean, true. But it's, you know, I guess that's kind of a lot in podcast world, I guess. But. Yeah, I think we can be more purposeful this way. Uh-huh. And, um, we, you know, we've talked before about how we record on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a lot of students who are giving senior recitals on Tuesday nights this semester. Wow. Yes. So if uh-huh. I have a, you know, if I have to miss a Tuesday night, for that, we can mm-hmm. just wait till the next Tuesday night and record that month's podcast. And I just think that's going to work. I'm very, I'm feeling so good about this decision, Phil. And that's, you know, hopefully maybe we can talk to some of those students. I know, um, if I'm thinking of the right ones, that you have several um, ladies who who are, are they that are graduating that are doing other. Am I are we thinking about? Am I thinking about the right people or no? Yes, there. Okay, I'm just. <laughs> Yes, no, you're absolutely right. There are, okay. uh, in fact, in fact, one of my students just tonight was giving her a conducting lesson before uh, she's going to conduct at a uh, the ACDA conference here uh, this week, and um, and I was saying, okay, I got to get home to record the podcast, and she said, oh, can I be a guest on the podcast? <laughs> so maybe we'll throw her a bone. We, we should we should definitely throw our bone so before if if you're watching us you yes. you can see that that it's not only adam and i um but before we get to our guest who is patiently waiting we do want to ask you to uh if you are enjoying please you know um comment to send us a welcome back voice message yeah. or 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 a message on Instagram or, or Facebook or YouTube and um, and so if you're enjoying us so all right let's get to it let's get to our guest this is is this the first time Phil that we've had our guest physically present with one of us and not joining us by zoom I think this is the first time this is the first all right well welcome from my dining room, <laughs> through the magic of technology, my dear friend, Tim Angel Caldwell. Woo-hoo. Insert applause Hello, here. Hello. Um, so, Tim, I, Tim actually uh, uh, worked with the crowd for a little bit this afternoon. 
um, on the piece that they ha that is choreographed because okay. Uh, and when when he did, I introduced him as probably the most talented person I know, because, wow. um, you know, like, Phil, you know me. My one and only talent is music, and like, not even, not even like multiple genres of music. My one and only talent is classical music, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, that's me. Well, and eating. I'm pretty good at eating. Anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> but Tim is a singer. Wow. He is a painter. He okay. is a dancer. Uh-huh. He is a scholar of the English language <laughs> and English literature. He uh -huh. is a teacher. Uh-huh. He is a father. He okay. <laughs> He is a true. Oh, he is a TikToker. Wow. Okay. He's TikTok famous. Seventy thousand cool. followers on wow. TikTok. He's not famous. Yes. He says he's not famous, but I've got seventy thousand followers nowhere. <laughs> nowhere me either, especially no. in that yes. TikTok. Yes. Um. He is a model. He has done modeling. He's done everything. Mm -hmm. So I thought he would be a fascinating person to have on and just have a freewheeling conversation about his life. Well, let's do it. Welcome, Tim. Welcome, Thank Tim. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, that, there's my introduction of you. What did I leave out? <laughs> I don't think you left out anything. <laughs> I mean, I do aspire and try to hone in on all of those things that... Um, Adam mentioned about me. Um, I'm a newfound painter. I haven't always been a painter, but I've always been artistic. So it's something that I just started to dabble in that I want to explore more. And I think I have a creative touch, so we'll see how it goes if I stay consistent with it. Excuse mm -hmm. me. As I stay consistent with it. That's I right. I don't want to stop. So. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Speak it into existence. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so... Tim, now now, now I'm going to ask you questions that I know the answer to. Some questions I know the answer to, just because our audience doesn't. Where are you from? Um, well, I have lived in North Carolina the longest. Um, I was born in Germany. I feel like I was born and raised in Colorado and then ended up in North Carolina. So hmm. I come to Rochester from North Carolina. Yes. And you are... Why, why were you born in Germany? My parents were both military. So I was born in Würzburg, Germany, and moved to America for first grade on until I graduated. Awesome. And uh, how long have you lived in North Carolina? Oof. Since sixth grade. So you can calculate that, I guess. Very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Sixth grade was practically yesterday for a youth <laughs> like you. I would ask Very Phil to, I would ask Phil to guess how old you are, but my my Zoom has the like, the like filter on the like make me uh -huh. look like I have less wrinkles filter, which I need, <laughs> but Tim does not. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm 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 imagining he must be around, you know, around our age, so. We don't we don't have to guess ages. I I would tell you, I I think you know that um, especially during Black History Month, the phrase "Black don't crack." You know, like I think that's <laughs> mm -hmm. you know apropos. But can we so like the like your interest in the arts? Like, where did that start for you, Tim? I don't think my interest in the arts started in a good place. Okay. Um, I think it started because I was forced to figure out something to do and then I kind of figured out you know after being in my room for such a long time I then started to discover things that I enjoyed to do and then from there started to you know hone in onto some things um, so I would say probably around uh, elementary school age, maybe second or third grade is when I started to have a fascination for uh, theater and productions. And as far as like creativity and drawing and everything like that, that stuff came way later. 
um, and came later. But as far as the stage is concerned, that started way early. I could always imagine being, and I was, being in all of the school productions Mm-hmm. at a very young early age and always wanting to mimic and do the choreography from TV shows and music videos at a very young age. So that's that's where all of that started for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I used to just do it in my room and close the door and, and practice and mimic and pause and play until I got it right. And, you know, uh-huh. of course there was no YouTube or anything, so it was... Right. Learn it then before it goes off. There was also no pausing TV. You know what I mean? Right. So you had to learn. I remember. So so fast tracking. I remember uh, there was a Disney show out with the with a movie that had a bunch of choreography in it, and I remember using my mom's camcorder because I also didn't have a cell phone then. So I remember mm-hmm. using my um, mom's camcorder and recording it while it came on TV so that way I could go back and pause and play yeah. to learn the choreography. Yeah, so I used to do that all the time. That was something that I always did and I mean from uh, there it just you know, I just kept kept getting involved until I continued to hone in on the craft of it. It so. it, it it's it's so it's so the I, children these days are spoiled because they do have YouTube. They mm-hmm. have streaming. They get, mm-hmm. I mean, and everything yep. is right there at their fingertips. Over the Christmas break, just to kind of do a little catch up, I Sister Act was on. Um, and like that for me was one, one of, I, I love the, um, I think I really, like I saw the second one before I saw the first one. So like with Lauren Hill. <laughs> me and too. You Back too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw the second one first. And, I mean, of course, like the joyful, joyful Lord, mm-hmm. you know, like in mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and like that was, in, you know, I mean, I kind of grew up in the 90s. And so like that was on the radio. And even um, what's another one that I watched? Um, um, a Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington mm-hmm. and Whitney Houston. And I'm like, just like seeing, of course, like I grew up in the church. So like seeing, you know, gospel music and done well and that story like really done right. well i'm like this like i want i want to do music like this and so mm. i that that what you're saying really makes sense to me yeah it, i can yeah it kind of fooled me so yeah tim where did those um like where did bedroom choreography lead you later in mm. life how did you use those skills that um, you honed gosh um, so it led me to becoming a dance instructor um, for a for a, a private dance studio, into being a dance teacher for the public school system, um, and I I I've been still teaching dance ever since then. I choreographed for competitive teams for the dance studio, and um, my kids won you know national titles and everything like that. They just my vision for dance continued to grow as I continued to work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard sometimes when you're dealing with studio dancers because, and I was just telling Adam this the other day, Mm -hmm. that, you know, studio dancers usually start taking dance um, either because their parents want their kids to do something or the kids want to dance, but they end up being so structured in a way that there's no feeling or heart behind what Mm -hmm. they learn to do very well. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed a big difference between my dance students at the dance studio compared to my dance students at the high school that I taught at that couldn't afford mm. to go to take right. lessons at a dance school. Yeah. Um, they just moved a bit different. They had more heart. Um, it was something that you can't teach, you know, and um, that was that has been one of the best jobs that I've ever had is being a dance teacher for the school. Um, cause I, it was my, my own little playground. I remember going to, you know, elementary school and seeing the auditorium and just feeling at home in that space. Mm-hmm. And then when I became a dance teacher at the school, the auditorium was my classroom. So right. that's, I got, I, that was one of the jobs where I literally woke up every morning excited to go to work because I was prepping for a show at the end of every semester in my favorite safe haven. Mm-hmm. And so that's that was a really really good 
uh, spot for me. So it doing all of that in my room solo led to me having one of the best jobs in my life and hopefully continuing on from there um, in, as far as dance is concerned. Isn't yeah. that cool, Phil? It is very cool. I mean, yeah. And, and I, yeah, and I think like, you know, I, I kind of, again, I can relate to that as, as a musician. Like I get to go to school and practice, mm-hmm. you know, singing and playing the piano and playing the drums because I'm going to teach it to my students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, let me, let me to, I want to like dig in on what you were just saying about the, the soul and the heart, because I think that can also happen in music as well. And Adam mm-hmm. can, can speak to that, that we, you know, can be very robotic. Um, mm-hmm. How did you, you know, or, or how are you, because maybe this is an ongoing process, how are you helping those students in the studio um, find more of that heart um, in their dancing and that you saw in your, your, your school students? I was getting ready to sound very, very harsh just now, but I think I'm going to have to be honest with that question and say that you can't. Mm. Um, you can't. And I'm a firm believer, you cannot teach heart and soul. That is something okay. that someone has to discover on their mm-hmm. own. And once they discover it, there's no turning it off. Mm-hmm. And so usually what I would tell my students when I would try to get them to, you know, I'm not telling, I wasn't telling them to move bigger. I wasn't telling them to move stronger or sharper, but I'm, I'm looking at them and I'm like, girl, you can twirl for 12 spins, but I feel nothing when you do that. And then you could mm-hmm. have another dancer that doesn't know how to do any of the technical things, but man, you can feel every single movement mm-hmm. that she does with the song that's playing. And so you have to find a way to connect. So I can tell them all day long, connect mm-hmm. with the music. But um, if they're more focused on doing the move correctly, then they're not gonna really focus on the heart of the matter. So it's not really something that you could you could really teach, and I and I would tell them that, and 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 sometimes they would look at me with you know deer in headlights, like you can't teach us. No, I can't teach you how to have a heart with what you're doing. I can tell mm. you what the moves are, but once you get on the stage, it's up to you to feel what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I can't teach you a feeling, you know. So, and and it, I mean, especially with dance, dance kind of it ties into a lot of it. it branches off into, you know, the theater arts department as far as not necessarily knowing how to act, but you have to know how to connect with whatever you're doing, whatever character you're doing. So it does boil down to the leader of what's what's being done, you know, and I've watched this for years in dance studios where these dance teachers just throw some of the same choreography and put it to a different song for these students and that's why they don't have a heart when they get on stage because they're just doing recycled movements to Mm -hmm. a different song Mm -hmm. and i've Mm -hmm. seen that many 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 times and i think the difference of when i was at the school is i chose themes purposely so that my students could relate to what was going on so that when they did do the dances i could kind of tap into their hearts a little bit by giving them a realistic situation as to what this dance means and then that way they have something emotional to pull from Mm -hmm. and if they don't have anything emotional to pull from they're just going to do the movements that i told them to do Mm -hmm. with nothing no no feeling or anything at all it's like oh that looked nice but i didn't feel anything when you did that you know Mm -hmm. versus the girl that has gone through bullying before and she mm-hmm. goes out there and she can just wave her arms back and forth for a little bit. But because she's been through a situation before, she can, she's going to move a bit differently, you know, than somebody who can't relate, you know. So, mm. but I also think that it's possible for somebody who can't relate to put on their acting hat and just be able to tap in and perform something. Actors do that all the time. You know, we see it all the time on TV. They might not have gone through a lot of the stuff that they're acting out, but because they know how to tap into it, mm-hmm. they make us believe that they have. Yeah. You know, so that's the same thing with dance too. Yeah. Tim, what's the source of your own heart? Mm. When it comes to creating, or you mean? Yeah. What What motivates your own creativity? So my personal mission statement when it comes to creating my own, like my own creativity is to use my own personal experiences 
to hopefully create a thought-provoking visual for someone else to see so that they could try to be emotionally provoked to then become a better them in the future. Mm. Um, that's what I've always thought about. So maybe creating something visually that they can see to provoke something in them that they might not be able to do on their own. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not being provoked. I know there's a lot of stuff sometimes with me, if I'm watching something, I'm not going to think about it until somebody else creative has did something. And I'm like, oof, that just made me think about something in my mm -hmm. life. And then mm -hmm. I'm able to hone, you know, go off of that. Um, but when mm -hmm. it comes down to my own creativity in the world of, I would say in the world of dance, um, and probably in the world of, of song too, um, I like to pull from personal experience because there's nothing more real than that. You know, I tried back in early, like 2011, I tried to um, create, you know, music that of things that I hadn't gone through yet, but wanted mm -hmm. to create like this positive message. And it kind of didn't really go anywhere because I didn't, I didn't feel what I was writing about because I hadn't gone through it yet. I was just kind of mm -hmm. like preaching to an audience without having experience. Mm -hmm. And then it's crazy because lo and behold, everything that I was teaching about or, or, or speaking about or singing about ended up being something that I actually started to go through. And then I was like, ooh, now I can really write this song. <laughs> mm. uh -huh. So, and I remember one of my, one of my classmates from high school, um, and there was a song that I wrote called I Forgive You and my one of my classmates from high school came to me and was like, that's probably one of your best songs that you've ever written because I could actually feel that you felt it that time. Mm. She was one of my friends that can, that can be really honest. And I was mm -hmm. just like, you know what? You're right, because everybody who knew me knows what that song was about. And so it made sense. They were like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. We get this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think you just have to pull from personal experience and then be willing to share that because there's always somebody that's out there that needs to see something or a version of something that they're going through so that they can know how to get through it too. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. always been my whole purpose yeah. and point. How did you get into your... So was dance really your first artistic outlet? No, singing was. Singing was. Okay, mm -hmm. so tell oh, us more okay. about your singing journey. I have to backtrack. Mm -hmm. Because it was sporadic. So, I was always a singer. Um, I was always musically inclined. Um, I remember getting a small mini keyboard. The one that had like only 12 keys or something. <laughs> yep. um, that my mom got for me. And the lean on me was playing in the car she said and this is a story that she told because i kind of vaguely remember this happening um i think she said i was four um she said lean on me was playing and she said i started to play lean on me on the keyboard from what uh -huh. i was hearing coming uh -huh. from the from the radio and she was like i knew then that you was gonna love music <laughs> da, 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 da. and i was like well you know here it is i'm glad she allowed me to you know and uh -huh. so um from there i just i would i would sing of course i would sing at church um, I would sing uh, at home. I remember a select few times that my mom would actually come in and help me because I know my grandmother sang and my mom did sing too, but she always said that she was too afraid to sing in front of people. Mm -hmm. So she would uh, she wouldn't do it. But I would always hear her singing in the house, you know. Mm -hmm. But for me, singing just kind of gradually grew, and I kept and I kept doing it. So you've got elementary school, I'm doing the plays, I'm singing. You've got middle school, I'm doing the plays, I'm in chorus now. Um, I'm I'm singing all of those. Um, then we've got high school, and I'm singing in high school. And I remember singing for me really, really took a turn when I was a freshman, and I was in chorus. And I remember going to my brother's high school graduation and there was a lady, uh, the, la the lady that her name was Miss McNeil. Um, there was a girl who sang the national anthem for her high school graduation. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. Now, my voice at the time was not perfected, <laughs> <laughs> but I still felt like I knew what I could do. And I remember running up to her after that graduation and telling her, 
hey, I'm a freshman here at Western Hornet. I want to sing the national anthem for my high school graduation. Uh, <laughs> and she was uh, like, come back to me when you're a senior, and then we can talk about it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, my voice hadn't even developed yet, so I still sounded like Michael um, Jackson. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so fast track, I am now a senior. Now, mind you, I wasn't into songwriting then. I was just strictly just sang around. That's mm-hmm. that's all I did. I didn't do anything, you know, other than the plays at school and sing, sing, sing. I was in chorus. And I remember coming up to her and asking her, hey, I'm ready to try out for that spot to sing the National Anthem at my high school graduation now. And she was like, well, at the end of the, close to the end of the year, we'll give you a chance to do that. And it was me and like four other people. And I remember singing the National Anthem and I ended up being able to do it. Um, so I sang it for my high school graduation. And then from there, I just I just sang. And I really didn't know what I was doing until when I went to college. And that's when I started to get like this training done um, through the musicals that I was in mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. college. And that's when it started to dawn on me that I really need to be doing this mm-hmm. um, somehow. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it professionally, then I need to be doing it just to for do you. it yeah for me for myself exactly mm-hmm. and so that's that's when it all started for me i really started to kick in for me when i was way older mm. honestly mm. and you're yep. a good singer i you know <laughs> i've heard tim he's a good singer <laughs> it took me a while to just answer that question because i didn't know what to do or what to say because i felt like i didn't know what i was doing and i, I, and I always say to myself I don't, I don't know what i'm doing um, because I'm always intimidated when I am in front of somebody who's professionally trained mm-hmm. because I don't know terms. I do know how to read notes, but I'm not trained. So mm-hmm. when somebody says, do you sing? I usually had said, I try, mm-hmm. <laughs> but now if somebody does ask me, do you sing? I'm like, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> well, do you sing well? I'm like, well, I, I sing as best as I can. Yes. I, I think uh-huh. I do sing well. You know, so I, I, I still haven't even gotten to the point where I'm just like, yes, I'm good. Like, I haven't right. done that yet. Because I feel like it's just arrogant to sound or say that, you know? So I'm just like, eh. People pay you. They do. but <laughs> <laughs> that, Then you're good. Nobody's going to pay it's, you. Nobody's going to pay someone they don't want to hear. That's, That's very true. true. That's very true. That is true. Yeah, but you, the thing is, I think like a comparison musically um, uh, to something else. So something we're talking about, the having the heart and soul, mm-hmm. um, like there are a lot of musicians and especially growing up, you know, in the black church, like there are a lot of great musicians who, co- who couldn't tell you what key they were just playing in. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, I can't either. The, <laughs> but I know what sounds good and what doesn't. Right. I can exactly. harmonize with anybody. And I, that's yes. usually what I do. If I'm singing along to the radio, I never usually do the melody. I'm always harmonizing either higher or lower than what they're doing. But uh-huh. I couldn't tell you what, what key somebody is doing something in. I do know right. when something is major or minor, but I can't tell you if it's A, B, C, D, E. I can't, uh-huh. can't uh-huh. do that. I and- wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> But but like that's the but like this that's it still has heart and soul right it still mm-hmm. moves you yeah. even though they don't have the technical training and like right. and and so like you know we of course I mean I, I, I as a ed, as a music educator I want to encourage my students to to learn to to be mm-hmm. able to not only to one they need to hear major minor I'm teaching elementary students so yeah that's where we start. Then we, right. you know, then we we move on to other modes and keys and all that type of thing, but but again, it's still I'm like, why? Like, what what is significant about this song? You know, like mm-hmm. what is it? Mm-hmm. What is it saying to you? And then how do we communicate that to our um to our audience? Because yeah, right. that like, because that I mean, one like that's why I want you to know what why it's major or minor because if it's major, maybe it's maybe it's happy, right? If it's minor, mm-hmm. maybe it's you know sad or solemn, or you may making you reflect. But uh, so yeah, why wow, this is uh, okay, good. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> no, that was... it makes sense. <laughs> was... And I do notice too that you know when I'm creating music, I can tell when it is you know 
has like a sad undertone or mm-hmm. I kind of I kind of lean towards dramatics a lot when I'm creating songs. Uh-huh. Um, there's an album that I just did that, well, I didn't just do it, but I came out with it um, in 2020. And that was one of my biggest things that I had been working on for the past seven or eight years. Um, and all of the music in it, with the exception of the last song, is very probably all in minor keys because that's just kind of where I gravitate towards Um, because I like being dramatic and extra when it comes to a visual. (laughs) So I'm like, hmm, can't really do a lot with happy sounding things. So now any of those songs, I couldn't tell you what key it's in, Um, Mm -hmm. but I know that the melody that I created for it goes and makes sense and there's no keys clashing. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it just, you know, it makes sense to me. and I remember some. I remember being at church, and they took one of my songs and tried to convert it to sheet music, and they kept trying to change one of the chords. And they were saying this chord doesn't sound right because when you sing it like this, and I'm like, but when you listen to it, it sounds right. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I was like, so, but on paper, it's like, but on paper, it can't go. And I was like, that's when I start to not be technical. I'm like. Will they know right. that? <laughs> because right. they won't know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, and they said I'm, they said that I was uh, considered to, like, I can't remember the term, but when it comes to a chord, the chord might not have a name. It just sounds good together. Mm. But I, I mean, I don't know if there's a name for every single chord, but I guess I had some made up chords and they sounded good to me. So <laughs> I used them. <laughs> Yeah, cool. no. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's yeah. that's it's right. If it's sound, yeah. you know, the thing is, like we like uh, talking with um, student, other fellow students when we were going through um, music history and music theory, like they go together, mm-hmm. and like um, you know, rules are meant to you learn the rules so you can break them. Is basically kind of what mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we were yeah. kind of being taught, right? Like you learn yep. how to follow these rules so you break them. And so, like, and so, like, you know, when we get to, um, you know, when we get from, when we go from, um, you know, Beethoven to Mozart or from Bach to Mozart, like, they're, we're breaking these rules. And even then, to mm-hmm. my modern composers now, like, they, we know the rules, but, mm-hmm. like, this sounds good. And so now we call it, you know, the whatever arrow, you know, of right. whatever, because this <laughs> right. is what I want to create. Yeah, so, exactly. yes. Yes. Yeah, everything is being is being, you know, expanded upon now when it comes to uh-huh. creativity, especially for the arts. I think that just there's just no way in the world you can hone into only one right way. Mm-hmm. Right. No. The, let me so like it's like you um as Adam was, you know, kind of giving your bio, like you dabble in a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm like I've kind of been reflecting on is um the ways we can be discouraged from trying different things mm-hmm. or yes. kind of pigeonholed into saying I can like Adam, Adam is kind of pigeonholing himself. Like I can only do this one thing. Like how, how, like how do you say break, um, break out of that? And like, and maybe how do you, do you encourage your students or is this just something that you're kind of like, you kind of done for yourself? Well, you know? I mean, I don't think, I think some people, it depends because I think some people aren't meant to break out of a certain genre or realm of things. Mm, okay. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so for my students, I kind of, I'm always looking at what are they already naturally good at? Cause that's what they need to be doing. Right. And so there was a lot of my students that when it came down to ballet, they just could not do it, you know? Mm. And it wasn't that they didn't want to, it's just that they didn't, that's not what they, that's not what their forte was. So I kind of honed in on their natural skills and their natural ability, and then they could start to perfect and hone in on those skills. And I didn't really stretch them that much, um, but I did, I did have fun with my students at the school because I knew that they weren't trained in the studio. Right. So when mm-hmm. it came down to, you know, when it comes down to a school that is a predominantly <clears throat> black school, you know, hip hop is all they know. Right. And so what I did with them, which is always fun, is I always took a emotionally driven 
song and I would kind of modify the hip hop movements and kind of made them a little bit more flowy and told them what they could do with it to fit the song because they had to do it as an assignment. And they were like, oh, this actually kind of goes. <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't, it just depends on how you can manipulate, you know, the movements and everything like that to get them to appreciate it. Not necessarily drift into learning it and to do it, but at least learn to appreciate it, you mm -hmm. know? So mm -hmm. when it came down to doing anything that dealt with ballet, they're just like, ugh, we can't right. do ballet. We don't do ballet. But we did right. ballet warm-ups. And then they thanked me later when they started getting stronger calf muscles. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I had to give them a way to find, you know, to find ways to appreciate the other genres. Or right. we would watch a video and they saw how strong ballet dancers really are. Mm -hmm. You know? And mm -hmm. I mean, especially even in the male spectrum, they're very, very strong. Yeah. They have very, very strong muscles. They're definitely very strong leg muscles. And you would think that the strongest of strongest of males at the school could handle it. But no, a little right. demi plie is tough for a jock uh -huh. at the school. You know, they're just like, uh -huh. what is this? This is hard. And I'm like, do you appreciate it now? Because <laughs> it'll make you right. stronger later. Right. You know? So it depends. It, I mean... I, th I can't remember where this is done, but I do know that there's a certain football team, and I don't know if it was in North Carolina, but they would require their football players to take ballet class because it helps mm -hmm. them with their balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two completely opposite situations coming together to create a very good situation. I mean, and they and it helped them with their balance to become lighter on their feet, you know? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that they should be taught to do what they know very well, but then learn to appreciate the other things, but they don't necessarily have to go and dive into it. Because sometimes it's just not meant for them, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Tim, have you, uh, I know you have, can you think of an instance where you, in any of your artistic endeavors, have encountered resistance? And how has that resistance Resistance how? Like, um, you know, either harsh criticism or okay. someone who wasn't okay. who wasn't rooting for you, someone who didn't want you to succeed. Um, when I was younger, my my parents didn't want me to dance. Mm. Dancing wasn't for guys, not back mm. in the day. I mean, it's pretty. It's become pretty normalized now, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. back in the nineties, mm -hmm. unless you were mm -hmm. like a break dancer or something, which was a little right. bit different, you just you weren't supposed to dance, like. Or, and you know what? I don't even think it was in the sense of guys weren't supposed to dance. I think that my parents were afraid that dance was something that I was going to try to pursue as a lifestyle. And okay. they didn't see that as longevity. So I do, right. to give them the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. for this particular reason, I think when parents back in the day saw that their kids were leaning towards the performing arts, mm -hmm. they didn't see that as a way of a career. Yes. And mm -hmm. they didn't want their kids to do that. Now, for females, I do think it was different. And for, for males, I think it was way different and way harder. They didn't want us doing it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where I met resistance when it came down to dance. So dance was something that I did do on my own until I got old enough to tell myself, I'm going to do this regardless. So it was, so from from birth until... 19 years old is when I I danced only in my room. Wow, I did not okay. publicly wow. dance at all until I was 19. Wow. 19 is when I started taking dance classes at the studio because I was 19 and I could. Right. And that's the that's the first dance class I ever had when I was 19 years old. So I didn't. I didn't do it publicly because I wasn't allowed to. Mm -hmm. And my parents weren't going to take me. They weren't going to take me to, you know, those uh competitions or or um you know if if i wasn't throwing a ball somewhere i was not allowed to do it so mm -hmm. i just did it in my room mm -hmm. and learned a lot doing that <laughs> so yeah i did meet resistance and it took it took them until you know 23 24 years old to really see me i think i was a i was a teacher at the school at the high school when my mom finally saw me on stage performing as yeah. a dancer and then was able to be like, oh, goodness. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, and I don't know what they think to this day because I haven't asked them because I'm, I'm 
I'm an adult now. I don't really, I'm, I didn't hold that against them. Why did you not let me? I, <laughs> I do it now because I can, you know? Right. So, you know, but yeah, they, it, I was an adult when they saw me performing on stage, to be honest. Hmm. Full grown. I think I even had a kid by then. Yeah, they, they had they had no idea. Yeah, I just I I did it on my own, and then and then I guess they started to see the traction that it was getting from, mm-hmm. you know, my followers on Facebook and Instagram, and then from there it was just like you know we'll just support because, well, I mean, what can we do now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's gonna do it regardless. Yes. So yeah, that's. Tim, where can our listeners find you? Um, the main social media platforms, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, under my tag Tim Angel with a J that's what it's on what it is on all platforms so um, you hear that dear audience <laughs> go uh, press some buttons yeah I will I'm gonna go I'm gonna go look you up too and we will we can we'll put those put that in the notes um, for mm-hmm. our audience to 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 go find you and check out Tim stuff thank too. you can't thank you enough Oh no! For sitting down no with problem. us, and gosh, we just scratched the surface, right, Phil? <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. No. We'll have to have you on again. Part two. We will. Yes. <laughs> part two and part three, and who knows? This could be an ongoing series. Sounds hey, good. We we sh- yeah, you know maybe maybe during the summer or something. I don't know. I mean, I really like. I would like my my hope. You know, is that I can get in get all of us you know guests and us all be in person because i because yes. i would really you know love to have those conversations in person but it's it was nice to meet you tim you nice too to thank you for having yeah. me on so tim we end every episode with uh two recurring segments the first is a uh, what do we call it, Phil? Like just a current events corner. Current events, yes. Yes, where we reflect on something that's in the news. And then the second is, what did we learn this week? Where we just talk about something from our conversation that is going to uh-huh. stick with us. Do you want to <laughs> yeah. play along? Sure. Awesome. Phil, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Um, You can go first. I'll let you go first. Okay, current events. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, This is weighing heavily on me. Since the last time that we recorded a podcast, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've mentioned this on the air, but I won a grant to go on a study trip to St. Petersburg, Russia. And um, I'm supposed to go during uh, Roberts' winter break, which starts on February 18th. Um, Mm. And... Of course, right now, the geopolitical situation between Russia right. and Ukraine and Russia and the, you know, West yes. mm. uh, is so fraught. Um, yes. So anyway, for our listeners who are of the praying type, uh, <laughs> I would appreciate yes. you to pray for wisdom. Um, I have booked only refundable travel, which I'm very yes. grateful I did. Uh, so right up until the day I'm supposed to leave, I can cancel everything. Um, uh, but yes, I just want wisdom to know what to do. And uh, also, if uh, any of our listeners have a connection in the State Department, uh, I just want advice from someone in government about <laughs> what would happen to me if I were there in Russia when war broke out. <laughs> so... That is my current events quarter for wow. this week, yes. <laughs> this month. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be praying for you, and uh, and I hope you do get some help. <laughs> because yes, I, I need, I need wisdom about whether to do this or whether to, whether to cancel this trip. So, uh, yeah. why does, why does Putin have to be such a bully? Oh, I probably shouldn't hey, say that. I'm you probably shouldn't say that. The KGB is going to hear this Edit podcast. <laughs> Take that out. Because so you're so you're gonna be gone for a week. You're gonna leave. I'm looking yes. at my calendar now. You're gonna leave on Friday and be yes, gone I'm gonna leave the for 18th only a week. Come back the 25th. 
Yeah. Okay. So are like are you and this is like studying Russian music or something? Like what exactly are you? Yes, I'm going to observe rehearsals, choral rehearsals at the St. Petersburg State Conservatory and okay. interview their conducting faculty through an interpreter and um uh hopefully their covid is still a thing so that's changed a lot right. of their protocols but if i can catch a catch a uh an interview with the conductor of the st petersburg chamber choir i'm going to do that so mm-hmm. um yeah mm-hmm. that's i'm very excited about this trip and the you know what i'm going to learn while i'm there but i just don't know if it can happen well we'll be praying the Thank you. um my current event right now is um the brian flores situation with the nfl um i i don't really watch foot i don't really watch a lot of um nfl football just because i feel like it's you know it's kind of fraught with issues um related to Kevin Kaepernick, and i don't have time but what what is um what has been on my mind with this situation is the the um, the the comparison that there that seventy uh, I think between sixty and seventy percent of the players in the NFL are black, and mm-hmm. you know when he at the point that he was fired, um, and the, I think and someone else was fired by the time the 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 coaches were fired there were there was only one football um head football coach in the nfl that was black and um and and i it's it i have a lot of thoughts and i'm not going to share them all here but i think like you know it it's 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 just i think it's just an example of um you know maybe a microcosm of the of what may what is going on i think in our world and the fact that you are not really um you're not really judged solely on your skill or solely on your ability mm. to do mm-hmm. something and uh the nfl is is an example of that and like i said i'm not gonna share all my thoughts because i have a lot of thoughts but that that's been on my mind so yeah oh absolutely tim what's your current event I don't know if I've had or allowed myself to think about a current event with three children <laughs> ah. under the age of eight. Wow, that's that? that's three what we need children to talk under about. the age of eight. <laughs> okay. I don't know other than the obvious COVID. I don't mm. know if I've allowed myself to even know what else is going on out there. Being <laughs> too busy. There's your current event. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I understand. Yes, three children under the age of eight. What? Well, yeah, and eight and under. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a lot, especially with COVID, and you're trying to, you know, navigate all of all of all of that. So with school and mm-hmm. everything. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being teacher at home. Uh huh. Being, you know, it's just it's a lot of work. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right. Uh, Phil, what did you learn this week? There's so much. Um, so I'm trying to think of uh, how do I want to narrow it down. I think the the the, the piece about um, not teaching soul and heart, um, mm. but you know, I guess you know, whole, ha, trying to help them discover that is is uh, is something that I think resonates with me, and so that yeah, that was really good. Yeah, I, for me, I really enjoyed what you were saying at the end, Tim, about overcoming that resistance and, um, you know, like, even without support, even without validation, mm-hmm. persevering in developing your passion. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just love that part of your story. Um, and then just more generally, just... Uh, having you on the podcast and hearing you talk about things that you and I have talked about before and mm-hmm. also some new things just it, it uh, drives home to me again how very very blessed I am oh, to be your friend yes thank you you're welcome thank you what did you learn this week 
The whole week? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything? Does it have to be tonight, or does it like this, the whole week? It doesn't matter. Anything that comes to <laughs> mind. I mean, it's really unfair when we ask our guests, "What did you learn this during this episode?" It's like, "What did you learn from yourself?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ooh. Um. Two things. One thing. Well, both are important. One is. I think pretty serious and the other one is just practical um the serious one i'll go first i learned this week how to have more patience with myself Mm. um and just to be careful and to um kind of not necessarily know my worth but know what to deal with and what I don't have to deal with. Um, you know, and in all aspects of life, whether it becomes with de- dealing with people or dealing with situations. Um, I did learn that this week and I'm still learning that. Um, and the other practical thing is to bring a pillow with me for my carry-on when you're scheduling a flight with uh, the airline companies. <laughs> <laughs> because you never know when you'll have to sleep at the airport. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never and know. this is true, both of us. Except he, we slept at different airports. Yeah. Uh, uh, Phil, it's a whole story, but let's not relive it. Part two. Yes, two. We'll, we'll save that for part two. <laughs> For Tim's next appearance. <laughs> okay, yeah. I can only imagine. The, those chairs are not the com- most comfortable. It's like you're on a spirit flight, you know. In the- <laughs> I've yes. never been on one, so I don't know. Don't do it. <laughs> they lure you in with low prices, but it's not yeah. worth it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, Phil, anything else for the good of the order? No, nothing else but to say thank you, Tim, again. Yeah. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so thank much. You and uh, dear audience, we're happy to be back. Thanks. And we'll see you next month. See you next month. Bye for now. Adios. Adios.